Shalom and welcome to another in our series of podcasts from Temple Beth Am, a dynamic center for conservative Judaism in Los Angeles. This is a recording of our weekly Exploring the Parsha class with Rabbi Rebecca Schatz and Rabbi Matt Shapiro. Chapter 22 is where our Parsha starts and we'll talk through it um, a bit leading into the verses that we're going to be focusing in on. Um, Rabbi Schatz, do you ever like confuse the names Balak and Bilam? I feel uh, like they're... I was writing my drosh for this Shabbat and I had to go back multiple times yeah. to be like, wait a second. Right. The right. Parsha is Balak, but we talk only really about Bil'am. So Correct. yes, 100%. Correct. It's very yeah. confusing because I don't We're know why it's so names. confusing, but it's very confusing. Uh, Balak is the king of, uh, of Moab, and he is the one who hires Bil'am to come and curse the Israelites. Hopefully Rabbi Schatz and I will keep that straight over the course of the next 51 minutes or so. Um... <laughs> So Balak is worried, uh, seeing all that Israel has done as they are marching their way on through their long, strange trip through the desert. Um, yeah, definitely echoes of what was happening back in Egypt, right? Seeing the people as numerous, seeing the people as being the one that can engulf them. Um, and as the king of Moab, he's trying to figure out uh, what he's going to do about this from his perspective, impending threat to his people. So he reaches out to Bilam, um, who we, we sort of pick it, like pick it up in the narrative. We don't, as, as is often the case in the Torah, we don't have like the Bilam backstory, right? We don't really know like how Bilam happens to have sort of the powers or abilities that he has, but he reaches out to this guy, Bilam, who's uh, sort of down, down the Mediterranean road uh, and says, Hey man, uh, there's these people. They're kind of freaking me out a little bit. Uh, Come curse them for me. And if you curse them, then I can hopefully defeat them and get them to, to shoo away from here. And here we, we sort of get hinted at, even though we don't hear it in the body of the narrative, nor do we hear it directly from Bilam, but this is Balak's sense of him, right? That he whom you bless is blessed and he whom you curse is cursed. That Bilam seems to have this ability with his words to offer both blessing and, and curse. And that his uh, words mean a lot, that his words like take on a lot of. Right, right. And more than mean a lot that they have like real efficacy in, in the world. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so uh, the message gets delivered um, and, and Bilam says to them, yeah, well, we'll hang out for a sec uh, and I shall reply to you as the Lord may instruct me. Um, what's interesting about this, Bilam's not Jewish. Right. And here he is saying, I will talk to God, which I, I don't think we see anywhere else in the Torah. Rabbi Shatz, you can correct me if I'm wrong on that. Yitro? Uh, but not in saying like Yitro going and talking to God. I don't know. Uh, somebody check. If it appears elsewhere, it's very, very rare. Um, and certainly not for someone who's antagonistic to Bnei Israel. Right. That's very unusual. It's mm-hmm. not how it appears. Um so, and, and God speaks with him, right? That there's this conversation. What do they want of you, right? And he sort of repeats it back to, for him to come and curse them. And God says, and this is, this is an interesting piece that Rabbi Schatz and I will explore in the verses we're talking about. God says here pretty clearly, don't go, right? That's, that's sort of round one on this. You shouldn't curse them for they are blessed, 
which is interesting, right? Because if Bilam has the ability to make the people who he curses curse and make the people who bless right? Like, what would he have the ability to sort of flip that, or does the pre-existing category of blessed negate his right? So that's kind of an interesting question. And at least for the first time, uh, Bilam listens, right? Bilam says back to these messengers, uh, sorry, no, no deal. God's not going to let me go. Um, I'll note as well, as I'm going through this, it's interesting to note that in terms of um, the, the name and the body of the narrative, the, the tetragrammaton is used, right? Yudenhe and Vavenhe are used for the God who Bilam is talking to, but in the actual dialogue, it's, it's Elohim, which is interesting. Um, I don't have much more to say about that in this moment, but just interesting God name tidbit, uh, for the day. Um, back and forth. Sorry. He said, you're not going to go do it. Balak really wants him to come. They send messengers back. And here is sort of the, uh, the, the introduction of the cash money consideration. Um, I'm not just asking you, I'll, I'll give you lots of money, right? I will reward you richly. I'll do anything you ask of me. Just come and curse these people. And initially, right. Um, Balaam still refuses. Even if Balak were to give me his whole house full of silver and gold, I couldn't do anything against the command of of God. Obviously, he hasn't been paying attention to the Torah, where B'nai Israel are doing things counter to what God wants them to do all the time. But that's uh, a separate story for another day. Um, so you can stay overnight, but I'll 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 check again with mom and dad to see if I can go on the sleepover. But uh, I, I I don't think I can go. Um, so then again, there's another conversation. And God, like, it's, it's this interesting moment. This is going to lead right into the verses that we're going to be talking about. Um, God, God changes God's mind, right? Which is always an interesting moment in the Torah, or at least it seems like that on, on the shot level. And God says to him, if they've come, right, to, to invite you, um, you can go, right? Kum lechitam, go ahead, but whatever I command you, you have to do. That's the summary. And now here we're going to focus in on the, the verses that we're going to talk about. So we're going to focus in on chapter 22, verses 21, 22, 23. Um, sorry to disappoint those who wanted uh, a more, a deeper dive into a part of the partial you might not know so well. Uh, I just want to, I just want to stop you by saying that I 125% prepared the wrong verses. So this is going to be very funny. <laughs> I texted you. I know, I know, I know. An hour and a half ago, Rabbi Schatz. Keep going. I just, I prepared very well on other verses. What what verses did you prepare? 31, 32, 33. Okay, continue. It's okay. It's fine. It's going to be fine. I'm going to do great. Just keep, keep going. I just wanted you to know that as You know, you just blew any chance of like faking your way through that. No, I'm, I'm um, very honest about these things. Now I'm checking. Did oh, I text? Oh, it was my fault. It was actually my fault. It was totally my fault. It was totally my fault. Okay. Well, it was all... it's okay. I'll share. I'll share. Li- anyway, just continue. It's okay. We'll figure it out. It's actually good. No, it's good. I can talk about my verses and you can talk about you verses. You verse. You ver- mm. My verses. Okay, go go ahead. Great. It's been a while since we've done. Just to say, it's been a month since we've done this all together, and uh, let's just say the rust is showing. We're gonna <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna make it through, though. We're okay, doing okay. Go ahead. Rabbi Shah, should we do your verses or my verses? Just continue first. 
Bilam woke up in the morning and saddled his. It says it's taking everything I can not to do what the ten-year-old me would want to do and just keep saying ass. I'm going to say donkey to try to to try to rein things in here. Uh, saddled his donkey, uh, and went off with the Moabite dignitaries. Rabbi Schatz, if you and I ever start an indie rock band, we are going to call it the Moabite dignitaries. Elohim, God was angry. Right, which just again to go back up, God just told him he could go. So that seems a little confusing. Uh, God is angry that he's going. So that right off the bat seems to be kind of a huh? That doesn't seem to make much sense. Malach Adonai Baderech Lesatan Lo. And this is this is how I know these are the verses that I meant to tell Elishats because this is the phrase that caught my eye when we were talking about it. Uh, yesterday um but uh what are you gonna do um so this angel of god is standing in the way lesatanlo like so <laughs> to to anglicize to to satan him which is not it doesn't mean what you think it means um but as as an adversary is the way that that is most often translated um and if my uh if my um concordancing is correct it's actually the first time um, one of the only times that this actually appears uh, as a verb in Tanakh, which is very interesting. Riding on his donkey uh, and two youths or servants uh, along with him. The donkey sees the angel of God. Standing in the right, standing along the way, the charbo shlufabiado with a with a sword drawn in his hand. And the donkey swerves from the road, um, and donkey turns to get out of the way of the angel holding a sword that he sees, which who can really blame him? Um, and Bilam strikes the donkey um, uh, to, turn, to turn back on the road. Um, it happens twice more, and the narrative continues. Rabbi Shatz, and also, like, should should we at least talk through the verses that you prepared? No, no, like, it's I'm, okay. I'm I'm gonna let you do the kushiot. I've already started looking at them. So, oh, oh, it's, it's Rabbi Rabbi I mean, Shatz's speed Torah from Rabbi Shatz. <laughs> I wrote I wrote my sermon on this idea, so it's not it's not so. It's not like I haven't looked at the verses. I just didn't prepare them. So if you take Kushio, I'll just keep looking at the verses and then we can share it together. I got, st- I got, I got, st- I got stuff. I've been, I've been delinquent the past two weeks, spending time with my family while you've been working hard over here. So I'm, I'm, I'm happy to, to take the lead. Just to skip ahead for those who are curious, right? They go back and forth in um, the verses that Rabbi Schatz prepared are also very interesting, right? Cause that's the moment when God uncovers Bilam's eyes to finally see the angel, the angel himself with the sword drawn, the angel then asking him, why, why have you been doing this? I'm the one who is sort of motivating this whole deal for this errand is obnoxious to me. Uh, the obnoxious errands uh, are the band that opens for the Moabite dignitaries. Um, and when the, the donkey saw uh, him, she, she shied away because otherwise, uh, otherwise you were, you were beating her. Um, you are the one I should have killed while sparing her. So, so lots of interesting stuff happening in this narrative. We're going to pretend like I texted Rabbi Shots the right verses. It's been a hectic week. What can I say? And we're going to focus in on 21, 22, and 23.
Who's she out? As Rabbi Rebecca Schatz often says. Yes, Jay. Is there any reason why the authors decided to make that the donkey was a she? To why, why is the gender? Let me, Jay, let me tell you. If you want to see some weird rabbinic stuff, I encourage you to look at Sanhedrin 105A. Uh, if you think Rabbi Schatz was going to end the Zoom meeting early for showing a clip from Ace Ventura, she would end it even more quickly if I went any further down that road. Isn't that right, Rabbi Schatz? Yes. Uh, but let me tell you, there is some gnarly stuff in there about, I'll just say, how he is a man and the donkey is a woman, or a female donkey, as it were. Um, I will let you piece the disgusting pieces together, but uh, it ain't it ain't it ain't pretty in the Talmud. Sam Hendred one hundred five A for those uh, <laughs> keeping score at home towards the bottom of the page, right, Rabbi Schatz? I mean, I didn't look it up. You did, but yes. Uh, <laughs> uh, okay, why why a female donkey? Great, Elon. The thing that strikes me the most is something that that you talked about, which is this is really the first example. Um, somebody saying, do what you think is right, which any of us who are married can relate to, and invariably do what you think is right, whatever you do is going to be wrong. So, you know, it, 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 it's, it's really, really curious that Balaam gets in trouble for doing what he thinks is right. Right, right. God, God, and, and, I, I would push it even one step further than that. It's not just that he says that God says to Bilam, hey man, whatever you want to do, it's all good by me. He says, go with them, right? You may go with them. Pretty clear, kum lech itam, that is pretty unambiguous Hebrew. Um, and then two verses yeah, yeah, later. But it, but, it is, but it is, in the context, it does seem a little bit grudging. Yeah, yeah. It there, yeah. Yes, I saw. I saw a piece that's basically talking about how, like, well, Bilam should have known from the way God said it. It's like, yeah, you know, I, 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 Sarah wanted Sarah wanted to get a kitten. Rabbi Shop, should we talk about the kitten? Sarah wanted to to get a kitten, and I didn't want to be the no guy. We have a cat. For those who remember, we have a cat. We got a cat recently, and Sarah's coworker. There's a, a a cat that had like a litter of kittens in her coworker's yard. Kitten's very cute, and Sarah wanted to get a kitten, and I didn't want to be the no guy. And I said to Sarah, "You know, it's—I'm not going to say yes or no. It's really up to you." We now have two cats, so um, that—that's—that's that's how that—that's how that worked out for me. Um, so I get it in both directions. Uh, yes, Joanna. So. This image of the angel with the sword drawn is sort of perplexing on a couple of levels. Like we normally don't think of angels as like beings that hold sword. Like I think most of the time when we think of angels, we think of them as like peaceful beings. It's sort of a contradictory image, at least for me, you know, to think of an angel with a sword in his, her hand. And the other thing also is, um, there's a very similar image in the Breshit story, right? The Kruvim, when um, when um, Ad- Adam and Chava are kicked out of the garden, the Kruvim, which are also somewhat angel-like figures, um, are put outside the garden also with swords. And just want to comment, there's talking animals in both stories. So like, what's 
going on there. Interesting. And um, and then there's another image which we recall in the Haggadah, but I I don't exactly have the full story in context. But like King David at a certain point also sees angels with swords drawn. So, so like, a, is there a connection amongst these stories? And like, just what is this whole thing about in Tanakh of angels holding swords? Yeah, yeah. Um, all really good questions. I actually found a, an interesting piece about the angel with the sword that sort of flips it on its head a little bit that I'm happy to speak to in a moment. Um, and I, I also had thought about the, you know, the fiery ever turning sword um, outside Gan Eden after Adam and Chava have to leave. I, I hadn't thought about how that story um, also has a talking animal, although presumably one that pulls the two of them away from what they might be doing as opposed to the donkey who's sort of trying to indicate to Bilam what he, what he should be. Right. So there's an interesting potential reversal there. But yeah. There, there aren't that many talking animals uh, in the Torah. Um, so, so yeah, um, I really appreciate that, that, uh, that connection. Uh, Nancy. Okay. So if God is angry that he's going and now there's this angel, why isn't, well, I'm able to see this angel, and why is it an animal that sees the angel? Yeah, great, great, great question. There's there's plenty of stuff on that. Um, it's not it's not quite where where we are in the story. We don't we we almost get to the Ace Ventura moment, but we don't quite get there. Have a chance. Don't shake your head at me. I'm not showing the clip um, with the talking donkey. Um, but but it ends up being interesting in terms of the the donkey seeing, but then also with the donkey talking, right? If Bilam has words that are so powerful, then the reversal of even the donkey being able to speak. Um, and there's also certainly something to be said if Bilam is this like, you know, really powerful spiritual presence. How come the donkey can see something that even that even he he can't? Yeah, it's a great uh, it's a great question. Other. Kushiot on these verses. Um, Rabbi Schatz, anything yeah. you want to you want to like highlight about the verses since you've already written a, a sermon on them that that you haven't heard named yet? Just to throw into the mix, or no, no, the sermons on the other on the other verses that I prepared. Um, <laughs> um, Rabbi Schatz will either be well. Rabbi Schatz is talking about either. You should start. I'm talking about the opening, the opening of Bilam's eyes on shot. Yeah, there you go. Um, no, I don't think so. I mean, I think I think people have brought up the questions that I also uh, have as of five minutes ago. But some of them, <laughs> some of them being, you know, why? One one of the things that Rabbi Shapiro and I spoke about, um, which could go for either set of verses, which is why it didn't tip me off was that in some ways it feels like the donkey actually has godly attributes. And so I forget who asked the question since I was kind of multitasking and trying to also prepare these verses. Um, I forget who asked the question of why she, maybe it's Jay. Um, yeah. But but I, I do wonder if, you know, there's there's some aspect of like Shina language versus Adonai Elohim language being done here. And was the donkey actually more more angel than the angel that was found in the road um that that's kind of uh a, a question that i've that i've been mulling over this week um 
And then in terms of the sword piece, I know that in the verses that I did prepare later on, that um, that there is an aspect of the the donkey saw that Bil'am could be killed. And so I love the questions about the sword and the connections to the other stories. But I wonder if it's more just symbolic of this was not just God standing in the road and the donkey wanting to move away from God out of respect, but really a source of danger, um, which is maybe even more problematic in terms of the relationship between God and um, and Bilam. So those are the only two things I would add. Yeah. Joanna, you have your hand up. Is this the first use of Satan in Tanakh? Um, I think so, with sort of like a caveat um, that in Breshit, in the back and forth, when Isaac is digging the new wells, um, the name of the place where there's an adversarial relationship between like his workers and the other people who are in the land, the name of the well is Sitna, which seems to hold that same adversarial connection. Um, but I believe this is the first time this shows up as like certainly as a verb um, from what I saw, which is very interesting. Um, I'll, I'll use that as as a jumping off point, Joanna, to, to your question, um, actually, in terms of the top out of the verses. Should I hop out of the verses? I'm not out of the verses. Ah, I see everyone's beautiful faces. Um, is um, I'm now just seeing all the chats. I should do the talking donkey from Shrek. Yeah, I should show the talking donkey from Shrek. Yes, lots of talking donkeys. Uh, I'm mostly just noticing things about talking donkeys. Rabbi Shots, didn't you miss me? Um, so, the Joanna, to your point about like angels, like I thought angels are peaceful. Why does the angel have a sword? Right, you were you were asking about that a little bit, yeah. Um, so. <laughs> It's it's interesting, and this gets into – I'll like zoom way out for a second just to say part of what's interesting for me about these verses um, – this is like in Nancy's question as well – is the sense of, of perception, right? Why, why, why do we see what we do see? Why don't we see what we don't see? Um, how do we sort of absorb the world around us and potentially miss out on some really big stuff? Like, for example, an angel standing right in your way with a big freaking sword. Um, I, I think that that's in general an interesting question. Um, and in Bamid Baraba, a collection of, of Midrashim about, as you might guess, Bamid Bar, um, it quotes par- this part of the verse and just says very, very briefly, referring to the angel, it says, he was an angel of mercy, but to Bilam, he had become an adversary, right? He had become like a Satan, which which is in, right, in some ways, it, it pushes the question that much further, right? How can an angel with a sword um, be an angel of mercy, but at least m- moves in the direction of flipping it around a little bit because, right, ultimately, what's the goal of that angel? The goal of the angel is to stop Bilam from doing something that he shouldn't do. Um, and he's successful in that regard, right? It gets his attention. It reminds him, you can't go and curse these people. And, and the story goes from there. And I think like extrapolating that out, I think it it's an interesting question sort of outside of the story to ask, like how, how some, like when does something that seems like an adversarial something actually end up being an act of mercy or kindness, right? That, that if you're going to have a hard conversation with somebody, for example, um, that might end up being an act of mercy or kindness to like have that hard interaction and then like move through it 
um, into something else is like the example that comes to mind for me. Um, something that can feel difficult or fraught might end up moving towards greater openness. Um, and Rashi spells it out a little more. Rashi says it was an angel of mercy who wished to de- deter him from sinning so that he shouldn't so that he shouldn't perish, right? The, the reason the angel has the sword is not necessarily to harm him, per this interpretation, but rather to say, this will get your attention so that you don't do something that you're not supposed to do, um, which I think, Joanna, at least in terms of your question, is an interesting, like, inversion of how, uh, of how that, that phrase at least initially um, reads. So I thought that was, that was something that caught, caught my eye, haha as it were, um, in thinking about that phrase. So Joanna, I don't know if that, if that registers for you or not, but it's what came to mind for me as you were asking your question. Yes, no, maybe. Interesting answer. Definitely interesting. Um, I'll, I'll hop from there. Um, you know, Nancy, you were, you were asking this question and, and and it is, and lots of, there's there's lots of rabbinic comment on on your question in terms of how it's possible for for the donkey to see this but not not Bilam. Um, and you know a lot of what I saw talks about well there, there's two different pieces that I saw that caught that like spoke to me kind of in different ways. Um, one of them was from Ramban, from Nachmanides, who actually, so Ramban is, is like, as a commentator, he's very interested in prophecy. Like, whenever there's a prophetic something, um, he often has a lot to say, so he's a lot to say about these verses. Um, and his, his comment is, um, writ large, this whole thing is to make Bilam realize that it's God who opens the mouth um, for those who can't speak. And since God can do that, how much more so can he make mute at his will the mouths of those who can speak, right? So that like this whole experience is something to basically humble Bilam to show him that like, okay, you might think you're so great because you have this power, but if I can do this to something that can't do that, I can also like flip it around for you. That's more in terms of the, the speech thing. Um, but I think it still resonates with like this idea of, of sight as well. But also uh, the fact that maybe the donkey was actually a part of God, which I'm going to stick to it as a story. Yeah. I, I still don't quite understand that, but I know you really like that. So, well, I just, I mean, you don't really walk around hearing donkeys speak. So it, it, um, uh, see Elon's chat. Just watch I Shrek. Know, I know. I right. I I meant like in the world. Um. But but I think that that I think that the, the point that Ramban is making is that if if the donkey could speak, right, then also Bilam could have been told to say the things that God wanted him to, which we actually do see later on, wanted him to say rather than the things that he maybe would have said or would have been told to say. And so there too, maybe the donkey was actually um, not just a creation of gods, but really a mouthpiece of gods, and therefore some kind of divine angel-like being, as opposed to just a regular donkey that you would see on the side of a hill. Yeah, I mean, you keep like I, I guess I don't necessarily see it as. You don't have to agree. It's okay. No, I don't. 
Um, I, I, I clearly don't. Um, I just, I just think like it doesn't need to be one or the other. I think it's possible for ha- for that to happen through the donkey, right? Which, from my perspective, totally. am- amplifies like the miracle that much more. That that through the donkey, it's possible that this happens rather than the, the than the donkey itself as yeah. a whole is is that. Yeah. Um, for those who might know, like the the um, out of the Mishnah, this idea that there were ten things that were like created at the dot, like created as a part of creation that only emerged later on. And one of them is that this donkey um, is able, is able to speak um, that, it, that it has been lying in wait since, since the very start of creation, which is also very interesting in terms of the site, more specifically, Nancy, going back to your question, um, Rabbeinu Bahia actually, and I guess ugh, Rabbi Shatzis might agree with what you're saying. Um, uh, Rabbeinu Bahia actually says the donkey doesn't see anything, although maybe it doesn't. No, I don't think it does. Okay. Uh, the donkey actually doesn't see anything. Um, right. He says, as a rule, angels don't appear that way in front of humans. So the likelihood for them to reveal themselves in such a way to animals is nil as the translation has it, which is great. We don't use nil enough. I'm going to start bringing nil back. Um, we do not have to stress that this was not a mental, that, that this was not a mental vision, something originating in the brain, because animals don't have a brain. I think they do, but meaning intelligence. Anyway, here's the point. All the donkey knew was that it faced a frightening phenomenon and therefore tried to dodge the obstacle she perceived. Right. So that it's not that the donkey donkey actually like sees the angel It's that the angel is there and the donkey can kind of like sense that there's something like dangerous in the way, Um, which is which is like kind of splitting the difference a little bit. Right. The donkey can't actually see the angel, but knows that something is amiss. And like parenthetically, presumably in a way that Bilam still can't. Right, because if Bilam could sense that uh, when the donkey started swerving the other direction, Bilam would be like, "Yeah, man, let's get the heck out of here." Um, so even though the donkey can't actually see what's happening, um, that there's still a, a sense that that there is something uh, rotten in the heart of Denmark or the ancient Near East, wherever we are currently sitting. Joanna. Um. There is a thing that, you know, animals have heightened senses in certain regards um, and also like heightened senses of awareness. They often will perceive like a danger before a human will. Um, So there could be some of that going on here, too. I forwarded Rabbi Schatz when I was preparing the actual verses and not the verses I was wrong about. I've ordered Rabbi Schatz's article. She did not comment on it. I wondered why you sent it to me. This is why. This is it. Joanna, Joanna queued it up. This is exactly why. Makes sense, yeah. Yeah, no, right? Yeah. There was an article I was reading yesterday. It said, Bird, this, is, this is so freaking cool. Uh, birds use quantum mechanics to see magnetic fields. How cool is that? So, like, when you think about how birds figure out, like, where they need to migrate to and all that, the research that they're doing shows that basically, like, birds are able to like see and perceive magnetic fields in the world that we just can't. And that it's possible through like quantum, like it, uh, I can forward everyone the article. It's very exciting. Um, But point being, I mean, on a much more 
grounded note, right? Like there are colors that we can't see, right? There are, there are way, there are, there are, there are on the, on the wavelength of light in terms of the spectrum of what we're actually able to see, there are colors that we just can't see. Um, and so Joanna, to your point, like, yeah, it's just, there, there's, there's stuff that, that we aren't able to, to perceive, which is, you know, an odd way to walk around the world being like, well, might be some really cool colors going around. I just can't, just can't see them right now. Um, but I think is, I, th- I think along with that comes some humility. And I do think that that's also a core part of this narrative that Bilam is functioning in a way that is overly prideful and lacking humility. And presumably that out of this sort of fantastical narrative, one of the primary lessons, if not the primary lesson is for him to have some humility about what he is and isn't able to see or hear or perceive in terms of his role as a, like as a prophet or a soothsayer or whatever he's sort of advertising himself as. Or just as a human. I mean, I think that's not to give my sermon away too much, but I think there's, there's I feel a like lot. We often wind up just doing, like, I feel like this is all just like one long infomercial for your sermon. Oftentimes Rabbi Schatz. I feel like, I feel like we often end up, you know, like, like, giving giving the game away well usually i'm not giving a sermon usually i'm teaching so it's easy for me to like bring in multiple pieces this time i'm actually giving a sermon but um spoiler but I, alert. Spo- yes such as does this mean does it mean that they don't have to go to show tomorrow if they're in this class now no because just let me speak hold on okay. um but i think that it's not necessarily just animals but also people right we don't always see that which is right in front of us because we're occupied by other things around us or we're unable to see the forest through the trees, right? You're not, you're not able to necessarily focus in on something that you're not expecting. Um, and so maybe that, I mean, that's why I keep on going down this rant of what was the donkey's actual purpose? Because I think had Bilam really been focused on the path ahead of him, which he clearly wasn't because he was allowing the donkey to do that work for him. He might have seen that, which was right in front of him, but he wasn't able to, whether or not that was because it was an angel or for whatever reason. But the fact that we know that he already had these kind of magical powers himself, wouldn't he be able to have seen something that was right in front of him, even if it was a, even if it was more supernatural than than real? Um, and so maybe that just is part of human nature to not necessarily see something, even if it's standing right in front of you, that is going to either help you or change your life somehow. Or um, it's like the whole you know boy next door type um, rom com plot line, right? Like, I thought it was a girl next door. Girl next, well, I'm, okay, anyway, sure, yes. Uh, the girl next door. That Person okay, next door. You, the person next door. The okay. gender fluid person next okay, door. Okay, this was really not the point. That, that when you, that when there's something that you're just used to seeing all the time or used to doing all the time, that you don't necessarily recognize the influence it has on you um, until until something happens where you- And then they take off their glasses and shake out their Okay, Karen. What happens? I may have just woken up to this whole thing, so I'm not really sure. Did anybody ask? Woken up. There you go. Perfect. (coughs) Did anybody ask about why a donkey and not something else? Is it the characteristics about the donkey who's like obstinate, we think? Yeah. That's a great, that's a great point. No one asked that question. Um, And I actually haven't seen so much on, on why a donkey um why not a camel 
Right. Yeah. Or yeah, exactly. Or a horse, right? Like why not something, yeah. Why not something that would have carried you through on a journey? Um, yeah. Very interesting. It's a great point. I hadn't thought about that. I I think, yeah, I I also didn't say (coughs) much on like why specifically a donkey, but I think the pieces that we're extrapolating out of like stubborn, right? Like not particularly, I don't know. Like it's not a horse, which is kind of regal. It's not a camel, which is known for its ability. That's just like, you know, it's a, it's a, just a basic donkey. Right. Like, and, and I think that, 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 that could be my, right. My, my, um, imposing my preconceived notion about what the story is on it. But I, I do think it's in there. Um, I, I, I'll, I want to pick up something that Rabbi Schatz was speaking to just now and, and like, take it um, in, a, in a similar direction and push it a little bit further, which is, um, yeah, I actually, I have one of the books I have back here. It's nice to be back in my, I've been back in my office more. It's nice to be back in my office. Um, and I was looking on the bookshelf. Um, there's a book that Rabbi Mike Borovitz wrote, um, who I worked for and with at Pechuva, which he goes through the Parshiot. Um, and he really hones in on this idea of being, he talks about how Bilam is blinded by money so that he can't see the angel that his donkey can. And he talks about how that's a construct of being like just very focused on what you want um, and not being able to see signs that are, that are like potentially signs of danger. Like again, an angel with a sword standing there in the middle of the road. Um, And certainly in a construct of, you know, addiction or issues like that, that can be a, a real tunnel vision, a real narrowing of focus, being so focused in on just one thing that you don't see how it might be harming yourself or people around you um, and, and taking you down a dangerous path. And I don't think you necessarily have to be like an addict to see how that might be a behavior or pattern of behavior that shows up, right? That there could be things that I'm very locked in on that are bringing me in a potentially harmful direction without it like taking a pause to be like, hold on, hold on, hold on. Let me take a look around, see what's really going on here. Press pause, um, take a deep breath and see what, what, what the bigger picture um, scenario really is here. Um, and so I think, you know, it, it is like um, a, a contemporary construct to be bringing, but I think in terms of like the psycho spiritual mechanics there, um, I think, I think there's a lot of wisdom in that idea. Yeah, Nancy. Well, I think it's even as as mundane as, you know, like you can't find your keys. And so the more and more stressed you get because the time is becoming later and later and now you're going to be late to where you're going, you really can't see them even when they're right in front of your Mm -hmm. eyes. So, you know, it's very, I think, easy to get caught up in I can't see. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Yeah. Marlies, I saw saw you enthusiastically nodding a lot while I was talking. So I'm curious to hear what you have to say. Uh, oh, thank you. Yeah. Um, um, sorry, I wasn't actually re- referenced to that, although I thought it was a very good point. That's okay. Um, um, just not really well comment and a question. Um, when Karen was talking about the donkeys and, and the attributes of the donkey, it made me think that that Bilam seems to have those attributes of the stubbornness. Anyway, that would be something. But well, anyway. <laughs> Um, so that's one, one just yeah. association Good that point. I made. Yeah. Um, and I was wondering, Rabbi Schatz, you said earlier something about questioning about the, I guess, the names of God and 
uh, aspects of God's presence yeah. in the story. And I, I just, I saw Elohim and good hey, bad hey, but not Shekhinah. I wondered. The- oh yeah. I was just saying that it's possible. I was answering the question of why she, that Shekhinah is known as the female attribute. And so it doesn't say Shekhinah anywhere. I was just saying that it's possible that, that the, that it's using she as that language to kind of bring about those aspects. This was all, again, my theory of the donkey maybe being part of God or angelic in some way. Um, but that that aspect of God would be what, what's being brought out in the donkey. And so that would be potentially just Shekinah. But yeah, it doesn't use the word Shekinah anywhere. Okay. You're some mystical rabbi, Shots. Very. That's what they tell me. Um the one, really, Shots, have you found, and I just have one more piece uh, going back to Elon's comment earlier. I don't know if there's anything you've spotted that you want to make sure to to offer up. Um, I've, I found a few things, but if yours is deeply connected to something that that Elon or others have said, then you can go ahead with it, and I can, if we have time, I can add my thing. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a simple thing. So we'll have lots of time for your last minute Torah, which I'm sure will be even, even better. Um, it's just, you know, Elon, you were making the point of the, the, the challenging relational dy- dynamic of like, well, why didn't you know that this was, that this was what I wanted you to do? Um, <laughs> he's, he's said, he told Bilam that he was not able to say what he wished, but could say only the words God would put in his mouth. Surely this was a clear warning to Bilam to desist as he was going to make him fool of himself or worse. If after having come all the way from Midian to Moab, he could not deliver what was expected of him. At least he should have asked God what precisely he was allowed to say. Like this idea that, oh, the fact that he said, yeah, go, but only do this should have very clearly indicated to him that he shouldn't really have gone or at least should have asked another question, right? Like I, I think the idea of, I have a hard time with the pivot from 20 into 22, right? Like I have a tough time with in verse 20, God saying, go and be careful into 22, God being like, how could you be going? Um, and and I hear, right. I hear that it's not quite that black or white, um, but I do find it to be, to be curious in your hands back up. So I'll, I'll ping it back over to you. Um, I'm curious, you know, it occurred to me that could this be, uh, the Torah's telling us um, or affirmation of free will, right? That in other words, God wanted clearly wanted one thing to happen and the person went against God's wishes, right? And, right. and uh, you know, whereas God obviously could have uh, made the person follow God's wishes, God did not do that. Yeah. Yeah. Which, which again is interesting going back to this idea of whoever, right. Whoever Bilam curses, they're cursed. Whoever he blesses, they're blessed. But, but well, B'nai Israel are already blessed. So you can't curse them. Well, if they're blessed, like, wouldn't you not be able to curse them? Right. I think that's, that's wrapped up in there too. Um, and then, you know, I made the joking comment before, but it's also serious. Like, if you really think that as soon as God, cause Bilam keeps saying, well, if God doesn't want me to curse, if God doesn't want me to do it, I can't do it. Well, in the Torah, there's plenty of examples of God not wanting B'nai Israel to do something and they do it anyway. Right. Like we, we see, we see at our own peril, much to God's dismay, how much free will we actually 
um, do have, um, which which I think might be like why I'm bothered by right because Chizkuni's comment is like, well, Bilam should have asked another question, right? Because in verse twenty, God says, "You can only say what I'm going to let you say." Oh well, Bilam should have then definitely asked. Well, what do you want me to say? Right? He was tired. He was he was snoozing. He just wanted to go back to bed. Yeah, yeah. Okay, I'll go. Um, what do you mean I should have asked you? You know. Do you want the dishes done in the dairy and the meat sink? You said, do the dishes. I did the dishes. What more do you want from it? Right? Like, um, hypothetically. Um, so, like, like begging, begging the question, like, maybe he just doesn't know. Right? Maybe he really doesn't know that there's additional questions he should be asking. Um, and you can make the argument either way. Well, he's this elevated person. He should really know. Or... He's sort of like an amateur soothsayer prophet dude. He's not part of an Israel. He hasn't had these close experiences with God. Maybe he really didn't know. Um, you know, so so I, I feel a little bad for Bilam here. I feel, I feel like he, he didn't, you know, he might have gotten the full instruction guide, but he definitely didn't, you know, read it all the way through. And it might, you know, who, who reads all of the, you know, the disclaimers? None of us do. So. Like he, he has it a bit rough in that way. That's me. Rabbi Shot, you have five minutes to dazzle us with your wisdom on these verses. Not it's not going to dazzle, I don't think, but um so this is a piece um from the Sifte Chachamim. And it goes back to the to the last verse that we looked at. So verse 23, and it's talking about the word shalufa, which if we look at it again here. It says, haton et malach lufa. So when the donkey saw this angel of God across from him in the in the derech in the path, and he uh, and his sword was drawn in his hand. Shlufa here is being um, translated as drawn, taken out beyado. Okay. So what the Sifte Chachamim here is is answering is. Um, Rashi is answering the question, even without a sword, the angel could still have killed him, right? If this is an angel of God, like you don't need a sword. You could just say, you are going to die. And he would have died. There's no, there's no reason that God can't just kill without a weapon. In response, he explains that the angel said, this evil one, that this is why it is written that it was shalufa, drawn, as if to say, shelo peh, the mouth is his. Okay, so Shalope, like... Ooh, that's fun. Yeah, right? His yeah. mouth. See, I told you it'd be dazzling. <laughs> I don't know I'm that. dazzled. That the mouth belongs... Color me dazzled. Okay, okay. That the mouth belongs to... It says Israel here, but it means just like the Jewish person who prays to God, but not to you, right? Not to... I think they're talking about the donkey here, right? Not to... Um, or they could be talking about really anybody who's using their mouth in this Parsha, because this Parsha is a lot about the words that are said, the curses, the, the blessings, all those things, right? Matavu comes out as a blessing, even though it was meant to be a curse. We're, we're really focused on words in this week's, in this week's Parsha. So I just was, I was drawn, no pun intended, to this piece because the, the idea that, that the sword is needed is kind of silly because again, God can do whatever God wants without weapons to, to, um, to destroy as we've seen many other times in our Torah. 
So why is that word even used? And why all the more so does it say not just that there is a sword, but that it's drawn, that it's something that's like ready to destroy. And so I like this juxtaposition of, of being, of using your words to be the things that really create or destroy. Um, and that the Sifte Chachamim is taking this word, Shalufa, which has the same words as Shalope, to mean that it was really based on the words that were said rather than the weapon that was used. Yeah, I, I, um, is that Susan? Nope. Somebody nope. else just. It is, I, I don't know my kids barging in, but I still have people barging in. Good news, I've gotten The one other piece that I'll throw in the mix there, I do love that wordplay because I, I always love stuff like that, is I saw a comment that that um, with the idea, you know, we, we get we get a, a nice a nice rabbinic dose of, of xenophobia in, in, in this this narrative. Um, but this idea that like the it's like words are B'nai Israel's thing and the sword is like the other, like the other nations of the world thing. Yeah. And so I saw that's this idea that, j- so if Bilam is going to, instead of use the sword against us, use words against us, instead of using words against him, swords will be used against him. Yeah. And later on, like when he's killed, he's, right. he's yeah. killed by a sword. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's just an interesting sort of, um, yeah. inversion of words and swords and swords and words. So I, I saw that. And words and swords and sword have the same letters. True. Not quite as dazzling. No, it's still pretty cool. Joanna's okay. going to close us out. Yeah. Just wanted to say that this Midrash reminds me about the Midrash about um, Paro's name, which can be understood, according to the Midrash, to be Peroa, Pera. That Paro had a bad hmm. mouth. Interesting. I've never heard that before. Very interesting. Rabbi Shots, bring it home. Um, it was the Sif de Chachamim, Marlies. Bring it home? I spoke for like three minutes. <laughs> I know. And you've been paying rapt attention. So that's why you should wrap um, it all up. I don't know. Yeah. Okay. Um, I, I, <laughs> I don't know. You want me to close it. I mean, I, th- Are I you th- speechless? Huh? I think I'm never speechless, unfortunately, but I think that there is, I think there's something very powerful in this Parsha in terms of looking at the different characters and what it means to truly understand the journeys that we're on, um, right? If we're going to bring it back to, to remembering Larry in this moment, Larry used to love, Rabbi Lucas actually sent me an email yesterday mentioning this also. Larry used to love at the end of Beitenu to come up to anyone who was teaching and say, I just have one thing. And then it became 75 things that he had to say about the one point you made. Um, because Larry really knew everything about everything. And even up until his last day was learning because he just loved the idea of, of knowledge, of knowing more and more and more. And so I think that it's interesting for all of us based on the Torah that we discussed today to think about number one, the words that we use uh, and the words that we learn and the words that we uh, can put out into the world, just like Larry did so, so beautifully and artfully. And also the journeys that we're on. And are we people who journey to, to do all of that learning? Are we people who are on journeys to learn so that we can teach? Are we people who are on journeys? I, you know, that, that we know the path ahead or are we people on journeys who are ready to just come what may. Mm-hmm.
You have been listening to another in our series of podcasts from Temple Beth Am, a dynamic center for conservative Judaism in Los Angeles. If you enjoy these podcasts, we invite you to write a review on the Apple Podcast site or wherever you get your podcasts. For more information about Temple Beth Am Los Angeles, go to tbala.org.